Hello, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is Michael. I wanted to add a little disclaimer before you listen to another recording from the end of January 2013. I want to warn you that what you're starting to hear in me is some of the influences of what I call charismatic madness. I'm at that point in my walk with God where I'm starting to, in humility, open myself up to learning things that I don't yet know about God. You're hearing me being influenced by a gentleman named Reinhard Bonnke. I've already explained this in other recordings. Now you've heard me mention a few times a gentleman named John Bevere uh, who came out of Orlando, Florida originally. He used to be um, Pastor Benny Hinn, one of the worst false teachers on the planet. He used to be the youth minister for Pastor Benny Hinn in Orlando, Florida. That should give you an idea of where this guy is coming from. And unfortunately, I was given some of his books by a friend I trusted, and I began to read, and this was long before I understood the need to be exceptionally critical and to be very weary of anything. And this is long before I understood that some of the worst, most dangerous false teaching in the world is that which is 98 or 99% true, and it has the 1% to 2% rat poison in it. And so I wasn't looking at these things with a critical eye, and I began to believe in this charismatic madness nonsense that essentially removes the sovereignty of God and puts you in the driver's seat of your life and of all the spiritual influences and forces around you. You have total dominion and power over all these things. If you simply have enough faith, you, and it's all about dominionism, it's all about making you into be simply a little God. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, this is completely wrong. We do not have the Matthew 10 authority anymore that was given to the original disciples and apostles specifically for the purposes of being a foundational work to establish that Christ is Lord and that his words were given to him by God. That this was true uh, revealed revelation coming from Jesus Christ. There have been three times in scripture that God has given men the ability to do miracles. Only three times. In all the thousands of years that scripture covers, there was only three times when men were given power to do miracles. Moses and Joshua, for the purposes of establishing this covenant with Israel and the purposes of letting it be known that Moses was the chosen one of God. Same thing with Joshua. Then you have Elijah and Elisha. Another time when God was going to prove and establish them as miracle workers to establish his continuing covenant with Israel and to establish. He only does this when there's a new dispensation or when there's a new outpouring or there's a new covenant being made. And the third time is with Jesus Christ and his disciples. We see that God gave miracle working power to Christ. Christ gives it to the disciples and they're able to go out if you read Matthew 10. And in other places in the Gospels, they didn't just go out and heal some. He gave them the power to overcome every evil spirit, to cast out every single devil, to raise the dead, and to heal every sickness and every disease. My brother and sister in Christ, we no longer have this. We now have a much more of a position of dependence on God, humility before God. We do not have the authority, as some of these charismatics believe, who go out... Apparently, there's an epidemic of people in the world who have one leg shorter than the other because this seems to be the favorite, you know, charlatan act they're performing on the streets. Guys like Todd White and and, uh, uh, Torsten Sundergaard or however you pronounce his name, they go out and find these people who apparently have these 
one leg is shorter everywhere. It seems to be it's it's an epidemic, and the the charismatic crisis finding these people, the charismatic madness folks are finding these people all over the world. They're performing these acts. It's all false signs and wonders. It's a bunch of nonsense, and they're sitting there thinking and believing that if they just say more power, Lord, more power, Lord, more power, be healed, be I command you in Jesus' name. If they just muster up enough faith and enough words that they can overcome the devils and the sickness and they have dominion and all this stuff. My brothers and sisters in Christ, this is absolute nonsense. And what it does is, let me tell you what's so wrong with this, is it puts that charismatic believer in a position where they are sovereign over God. They're working independent of God. They think they can just go out with his name and that's a license to overcome every devil, a license to overcome every sickness, a license to overcome every problem in your life is just go plead the name and blood of Jesus Christ against it. And what this does is, is it puts you in a position where you're no longer truly in relationship with God. You're just using him and you're using his name. And charismatics don't understand this because there is enough emphasis in scripture that we we are to have power and influence. And if you read Matthew 10 and you don't understand that that was just for the apostles of Christ, the foundation of the church that's only laid once, and you believe you have that kind of power, you believe that you have a handkerchief that could be passed around and, and heal other people, you believe that people could be healed simply by letting your shadow pass over them. These are things incidentally that did actually happen to Peter and Paul. If you believe these kind of things, you're believing in a very different understanding of the gospel than I am. Has God done anything like that since? Sure. In places where the gospel has never been preached, North India, no doubt you'll see miracles that will accompany the establishment of the gospel. But that outpouring is not the same as what they once had in Matthew 10. And here's your proof. There's nobody on this planet with all the millions of people and the prophets and the healers and the charlatans and the craziness that's on YouTube, you cannot find anywhere on the internet in all of the world a person who has the Matthew 10 authority that was given to the disciples where they can go out and heal every sickness, raise dead people, and cast out every devil. That person doesn't exist. If they did, we'd send them to every hospital in the U.S. and have them jerk people out of their sick beds. That doesn't happen. You know God doesn't heal everybody today. You don't have the authority to just go speak in Jesus' name and say, that sickness must come out in Jesus' name. You don't have the authority to cast out every single devil anymore. You can humbly ask. And yes, God can heal. I absolutely believe in heal. I've been healed. I've been able to pray for myself. And by God's amazing mercy, he's been um, willing to heal me. I've been able to pray for other people and they recover from sickness. But let me tell you something. It's not the same thing as what you read in Matthew 10. It's not the same thing that these charismatics are teaching. This is wrong and it's false and it puts them in the driver's seat. They don't need to be like a child, humble, dependent, working with God and teamwork. No, all you have to do is know the magic formula of saying the name of Jesus Christ, more Lord, more Lord, more power Lord, more healing Lord. You just have to know how to say all this weird stuff. And apparently Jesus will just, if you say it just right and enough times, Jesus will show up and do this amazing miracle. Guys, this is absolute false nonsense. Again, if this person existed, 
We don't have to send them to the streets to look for people that have one leg shorter than the other. Apparently there's an epidemic. We don't have to go look for that. All we have to do is go send them to the hospitals and jerk people out and let everybody believe in Jesus. You and I both know that is not going to happen. God has not ordered for that to happen. He poured out a special amount of foundational power to establish the church in the book of Acts and starting when Jesus Christ sent out the disciples in Matthew 10. That does not happen today. Now, whether I want to overcome a devil, whether I want to overcome sickness, whether I want to pray for finances, whether I want to pray for everything, Michael Criswell does not ever say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out or be a part or fixed or whatever. I don't do that stuff. I go, Father, this is my need. My Abba, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you humbly, Lord God, will you please help me with this? I ask as a child, Matthew 18, 3 through 4, I do like Paul. I don't command that Satan get out of the way when it says, I wanted to, I, Paul, come to you again and again, but Satan stopped us. Why didn't Paul just muster up some charismatic madness and begin preaching? And Satan, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, you get out of my way. You have no power over me. I take dominion over you. I bind you to this and I bind you to that. Why didn't Paul do that? Instead, he says he would wait and, and essentially trust that the Lord himself would make a way for them. Paul has a much greater position of humility, even though he's an apostle, abnormally born, he does say that. But he recognizes that we don't have that kind of independent authority in Jesus Christ anymore. It never feels right to me in the spirit for me to go off independent of what may be God's will. How do you not know when you're praying for that sickness to leave that person that God is not punishing or disciplining that person and if God were to lift it right off the bat because uh, in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ you said and therefore it must must leave you could be short-circuiting God's discipline in that life some people say oh Mike you're so deceived go look up how many times sickness comes from God in the Bible I found no less than perhaps two dozen scriptures that show sickness coming directly from the hand of God God afflicting with boils God afflicting with this, God afflicting with that, God even sending death on people. God sending all kinds of sicknesses on people to punish them, to discipline them. So you have to understand now that the gospel has been established and we all have the full revealed word of God. Now we are humble as children. We're dependent upon God's will being done. So whenever I pray for anything, it's always this sense of humility before God, always reserving the right for God to say yes or no to this, not just running around zapping people in the name of Jesus Christ, independent of him, and essentially denying his sovereignty. This is so important. So what you're going to be hearing in these recordings is where I'm starting to listen to some of these preachers. And a lot of you guys want to believe this charismatic nonsense. You want to believe it because it tells you what you want. It tells you if you just have enough faith, you can have dominion over that sickness. You can have dominion over that disease. You can have dominion over your finances. You can have dominion over the devils. No, you cannot. You cannot have anything that God does not give to you. John 3, 27. A man cannot receive anything unless it's given him by heaven. John said, I must become less. He must become greater. Charismatics want them to become greater and Jesus to become less. They, they totally deny the sovereign hand and will and power of God. And they go out and they just simply do it all in the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. They've lost sight of the person for the name, many of them. And they're deceived. 
There is no humility before them. It looks like humility. It's feigned. It's false. I'm telling you, it's a fake. It is a counterfeit work. You can see all kinds of videos of this charlatan Torben Sundergaard, or however you pronounce his name, of him doing the whole, you know, fake moving the shoe trick, where he's actually moving the person's shoe, not actually growing their leg out. It's just ridiculous that this, these kind of things are happening, and so many people believe it. I'm telling you, it's ridiculous. It's horrible to see this kind of stuff happening. And many people love this stuff because it tells them what they want to hear. Who doesn't want to think they could have faith that would increase their finances, give them a spouse, take away the sickness, heal their dog, bring back to life their dead cat, their beloved pet, whatever it is. Who wouldn't want to hear that there's some power that you can overcome all that the enemy has stolen? No, you can't. No, you can't. The Christians are being put in a position more and more of humility, total dependent upon God. Remember, even in Revelation, it says that Satan is going to be given power over the saints for a time. Okay? We are going to be put in a position where we are more and more humble. And you can go around and say, in the name of Jesus, this, in the name of Jesus, that all you want. It's going to do no good. It's not part of God's sovereign will. You can't just zap every devil. You can't just zap every single disease. It won't happen. God won't allow it. God has sovereign good purposes for so many of these things to happen. So I want you to know that I'm starting to be influenced in these recordings by these teachings by men like John Bevere. And and pretty soon somebody's going to introduce me to NAR, Bill Johnson, and the New Apostolic Revival in these recordings. And so it's going to get worse and worse for me. God's going to save me out of it. Thank you, Jesus. But I have to let you know that a lot of this stuff is nonsense. Now I'm going to learn some things from it. There's no doubt. Because again, if you could manage to eat rat poison and eat around the poison, you could get something that's still 100% good for you, nutritious. And God was going to allow me to do that, allow me to learn a few things and, and also to gain the insights of how wrong some of these movements and dangerous these movements were. So I just want you to be aware that when I'm constantly mentioning I've read this book, I don't endorse hardly any of them anymore. I've come to believe and understand they're all false. I have seen... These guys, most of them love money. They're money lovers. And they live in these huge houses. They have millions of dollars. They've, they don't struggle the way, you know, the true servants of the Lord struggle. They're doing just fine. They're rich in the ways of this world. That's the truth. Almost all those charismatics are. And you know what? Who couldn't get rich selling the message that God wants you to have everything your little sick, weak, deceived heart wants? Who wouldn't get rich off of that? That's the easiest message in the world to sell. There's so many people gullible, so many people hurting, so many people in need. Who wouldn't want to listen if you just have a little more faith? You can have the cars. You can have the health. You can have the wife. You can have the planes. You can have the vacations. You can have all these things, the career. You can have the great educations. You can have all these things you want if you just believe God a little more, give Him a little more faith. That's not the kind of faith that pleases God. You know what kind of faith pleases God? The exact opposites of what the charismatics say is the good kind of faith. That Habakkuk 3, 16, I think, through 18 faith, where everything fails. There's no olives. There's no grapes. There's no food in the fields. There's no sheeps in the pen. There's no cattle in the stall. Yet I will praise God. When is the last time you ever heard a charismatic preach that? Let me show you how false charismatic Christianity is. When is the last time you ever heard a man preach that Habakkuk 3, 16 through 19 passage. When is the last time you ever heard a charismatic Christian preach 
Job 121 and 22. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Or out of Job chapter 2. Shall we receive good from God and not trouble? Or out of Job, I think, chapter 13. Even though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. When's the last time you heard Charismatics preaching those kind of messages? When's the last time you heard a Charismatic preaching John 18, 11? Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given to me? When's the last time you heard anybody preaching that? No, they just preach all this. Everything is answered by faith. If you just have enough faith, you can have everything you want. What a lie. What an absolute disgusting lie. You're going to hear about an incredible experience I had for all the wrong reasons at a Reinhard Bonnke festival coming up in a few recordings. I'm going to share um, a recording that happened on video, caught on video. In fact, I'll probably put the video below the recording where I actually received a quote healing at one of these events. And I'm going to tell you about it. It was a false healing, but I absolutely didn't realize this at the time. I thought it was so sincere and I, I bought into all this stuff. Hook, line, and sinker. Satan was drawing me in and I could have been so deceived and I thank God he spared me out of this. So I want you to know I take a very, very serious stance against all this charismatic nonsense. It's one of the things that I despise the most. It is a false, disgusting, hellish form of so-called Christianity. It's a false gospel, a false spirit. It's, a, it's false Jesus. It's not the same. It's not the true Jesus Christ. Measure anything you hear against the Word of God. And if all of a sudden you see a huge gap, ask yourself, why is that? What's missing? Okay, my brothers and sisters, I'm going to let the recordings play. May God bless you as you listen. It's 11.36 on Saturday morning. I, I'm in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I just dropped my parents off. This morning has been such a wonderful, joy-filled morning. Even And there's 911 right there. <laughs> Psalm 91.1 He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And that is so true. But I dropped my parents off this morning and I had just a wonderful visit with them on the way down. And before we left, I had been reading in the book Relentless, John Bevere talking about the devil and the battle and the fight and encouraging uh, those who are true Christians to realize, yes, you're in a battle and it's an honor to be in the battle and you don't run from it. You walk into it knowing that victory in Christ is assured. You stand firm against the wiles of the enemy and you live to see a greater victory. And he says the better the, 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 better the battle, the better the victory. The greater the battle, the greater the victory. And that you know, God is testing and preparing you for bigger things and that God has given us the, the opportunity to not be the tail, but to be the head, to not be the borrower, but to be the lender. And I just felt such a, a huge, um, rising in my faith this morning as I just began to declare boldly the promises of God. That God does not want me living in want. Yes, God needed to train me how to see money differently, but God does not want me living in poverty and always struggling to pay my bills. And that God wants to provide resources to me so that I can help other people. So that out of the abundance, my, not just my needs are, are met, but that I'm able to meet the needs of others. That's my heart. And that we can take dominion over sickness. That we can believe God 100% for healing. 
and that we can believe God 100% for deliverance. And God has just been so graceful to me with the numbers. And then, so all the way down this morning, I just feel light. I have so much peace. I'm not getting to see my kids tonight like I was hoping. The devil is continuing to stand against me, but I just know that a great victory is coming. I've just been believing it. And we get down here to the cruise terminal, to my utter amazement, all of the taxi cabs in Broward County, our phone number 954-777-7777. They were everywhere. It was amazing. I was just blown away. And we were surrounded. I was cracking up. My parents were cracking up. I mean, there must have been 50 cabs with 777s all over the place. I mean, just everywhere. So, then I've been still seeing a lot of 611, uh, 611s. Um, I just saw a 111 where I was praying and God telling me that he, you know, reminded me that he loves me and he's proud of me. And I don't have to, to, to be afraid in this battle. I just feel like God renewed and restored my faith so much this morning. And there's just, there keeps, it keeps going to new levels. Praise God, may it always be that way that my faith just continues to grow and increase um, as God pours out his blessing. So here it is, you know, I'm waiting for finances. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for fruit in the ministry None of it's happened. I've come down to Florida without any money. I get down here. I get under severe attack from my ex-wife. So again, the circumstances not only contradict, they completely contradict my faith, the thing that I'm believing in. And they just have gotten worse. And fighting against, you know, my testimony and my ministry now. Here it is. I just launched the ministry, quit my business. Now she's trying to shut down my ministry. And which is, you know, my story, the foundation of my ministry. Then she's not letting me see the kids overnight again, playing games with that, as always. The devil's just, he's just so, so wrapped up in it. So I have just, by God's grace, have been able to see who, who the enemy is, reminding myself it's not, I don't need to get mad at her. She's checked out. She's not home. She's under the control of the devil, and she doesn't know it. I can't tell her that. Nobody's going to tell her that. I just keep praying that God will open her eyes and break her free from this bondage. But I just feel so liberated and so free because God is going to deliver me in a spectacular way. I've, I have now had the faith and apologized to the Father for not having the faith enough to believe that if I had my kids, God would provide the finances, the time, and the resources for me to take care of them. God's not going to give me something and then not provide a way for me to take care so now I'm asking for full custody of my kids. I'm asking the Lord in His timing to give me all of my kids because I am the only light of Christ that they know right now. They're surrounded by a person who, who is total evil, walking totally according to her father, the devil. And I'm just praying that the Lord will provide me enough resources where I can take care of my kids, let them be my top priority, top ministry, to minister to them, to teach them the ways of the Lord, how to walk in faith, how to not become polluted by the world and how to serve God and others. And then God will provide the resources for me to be able to do that, to, to have a house, to be able to hire somebody to help me with them. And I'm just believing God. I don't believe God wants me to just give up and say, okay, let's just let them be raised up by the devil's agents. No, I, I don't believe that anymore. And I've never have. 
I've always believed it was a season, but my faith has just been bolstered. And I'm driving all by myself. My stepdad gave me $160 in cash to, for gas and stuff to go down and come back and pick him up. If he wouldn't have given me that, I'd be stuck. I got $175 in my checking account and my life insurance check would bounce. So now my life insurance check has been covered. God's going to provide. It's still dark. I don't see how I'm going to go. I don't see how is ever going to be, you know, my wife. It sounds ridiculous. It doesn't seem that God's ever going to provide for me for my finances so that I can do full-time in the ministry. And he keeps, keeps telling me to wait every day. I see 919 every day, which means don't get ahead of him. I'm not 100% sure I know in what area of life he's talking to me about. But... Um, I'm, I'm trusting that he'll communicate it to me. Um, but yet, nothing has changed. I'm still waiting in faith. So I'm either the lunatic who's sitting around waiting on a pipe dream, or I'm waiting in total faith and dependence upon my Lord because he's asked me to wait and trust him. And he's testing my faith and building my, test, my faith up. My life is working out exactly as the Psalms do, Exactly as uh, great testimonies of other men and women of God. And I know that my day is coming where I'm going to have peace on all sides. God's going to give me rest from my enemy. And God's going to restore that which the enemy has taken from me. And my life is going to be so much better than it ever was or could have been. I'm going to have better kids. My kids are going to be with me and loving God. I'm going to have a better wife. As an amazing, amazing woman. I just know. And I'm going to have a better home, better finances. God is going to provide amazingly. I'm going to have better impact with my life. I'm going to have a better family. I just believe that this family is going to be so excited to have a man of God who fears the Lord come into her life. And they're going to adore me and love me as I'm going to love and adore them. I just believe that. It's, it's a heart desire of mine to have a family who will love me and respect me because of my love for Christ and who will be so thankful that God brought me into her, her their daughter's life. I believe it. And there's 777, 305-777-9000 on the back of this Volvo truck. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord God Almighty. God is so good. So good. His grace will carry those who fear Him. That's all I can say and I can't wait. My circumstances say I'm done. But my heart and my faith says amazing things are getting ready to happen in my life. Amazing things. Amazing things are getting ready to happen. I just know it. I cannot wait. Praise God. They're coming. They are coming. Okay, let me interject here again. You can hear in this recording that I am trying to work up my faith. I'm hearing the words of a faith teacher um, in some of the recordings I'm listening to. Obviously, the John Bevere books I'm listening to. These things are all trying to steer me towards building up my faith, having a really strong faith, so that I can go out and conquer and claim all things in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, And it sounds right. We are to live by faith. But the difference is we are to have faith in God's will being done in our life and for the promises that God has for us, not for all the things we want to claim for ourselves, the things that we feel are right. 
For example, you notice I mentioned in here about my children. Oh, I believe my children are going to be in my life. I believe God wants to give me a good family. Okay, here I am, July 24th, 2019, editing these recordings. Where is this good family that I'm talking about with my children? I have not seen my children in six years next month. You know why that's not going to happen? Is this because I didn't have enough charismatic faith? Is this because I didn't go to the right conference? Is this because I didn't have the right person lay hands on me? Is this because I somehow or another didn't have enough faith? Anybody that could look at my story and claim I'm a guy who didn't have enough faith, I feel sorry for. Honestly, I say this as respectfully as I can. I've given God the absolute childlike faith to do with me as he sees fit in any way. But all the faith in the world is not going to move God outside of what his will is. And I haven't yet really learned that in these recordings. And so I'm saying, oh, God's going to bless me and do amazing things. Yes, God is going to do some amazing things in my life. Okay? And one of those amazing things is he's going to give me the grace to live for six years through suffering without having my children. He's going to give me the grace for five and a half years to live without a wife. He's going to give me the grace to get through amazingly difficult periods of persecution. He's going to give me the grace to be homeless for a time. He's going to give me the grace to realize that the woman that I'm thinking is supposed to be my wife is not supposed to be my wife. Oh, God is going to do some amazing things. He's going to bless my ministry. He's going to tell me in advance that over a million people are going to watch my story video. I recorded it. God told me in advance that it was going to happen, and it actually did happen. You can see God was going to do some amazing things in my life. He was going to allow some amazing amounts of suffering, some amazing amounts of disappointment, some amazing unmet expectations, some amazing fiery trials, some amazing attacks from Satan to happen in my life, okay? How I define amazing now is different than how I defined amazing back then. And what I have in my life today is a direct result of God's will. Do I understand it all? Absolutely not. Would I have chosen all these things for me? Absolutely not. I would have chosen very differently. Thanks be to God that some part of me has been humble enough to say, Father, not my will be done, but yours. This is so hard for me to go back and listen to these recordings where I see that I had a good, pure faith, a faith to believe God for the impossible in accordance with his will. That's important. The righteous will live by faith. To believe God for freedom from my sin, that's important. To believe God for all the written promises in the new covenant, that these promises that Jesus Christ gives me are to be mine by faith. This is incredibly important faith. But to have faith in things that I want that may not be God's will, this is ridiculous faith. It serves nothing more than to frustrate me and to please the devil and uh, to lead other people astray perhaps. So that's what I'm really, with God's help, trying to make clear here, is that you're hearing me be influenced by these charismatic thinkers who are telling me that God wants me to have so much more if I just have faith. Try to reconcile that kind of thinking with the teachings of Jesus Christ, where he basically says, blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Think of Paul saying in the face of these great faith teachers in 1 Timothy 6, chapter 6 verse 1 where he speaks in, in all of that whole chapter 6 basically where he speaks of but godliness with contentment is great gain for we came into this world with nothing and we'll leave this world with nothing he says but if we have food and drink we will be content with that 
food and drink, content with that? What about those who suffer for doing good are commendable in the eyes of God? What about those who do wrong against you? God is just. He will trouble those who trouble you. But this will happen when Christ is revealed in his glory. What about Luke 18, 1 through 8, where we can begin to understand that the justice that this woman wants that we're supposed to learn from will receive it from God? But it doesn't come ultimately until Jesus Christ comes back, where he asks in Luke 18, 8, but when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith on earth? What about all these other scriptures that talk about God gives grace to the lowly? What about in James where he says the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position? How do you reconcile all those scriptures that talk about the lowliness, the neediness of Christians, the, the keeping your minds and hearts focused on things above, not on things below? How do you then reconcile those truths from God's lips to this charismatic nonsense that teaches us that if we just have enough faith, our life will work so well and we can have all the sicknesses gone, we can have all the relationships restored, we can have all the finances brought in amply, we can have all the this, all of that, we can have an abundantly fruitful, easy-peasy ministry, have all the work. How do you possibly reconcile that type of thinking with this? You can't. They don't reconcile. They're not out of the same book. You're trying to reconcile the old covenant with the new covenant, and you cannot. That is what happens with these charismatic people, is they have to reach, if you'll notice, almost every single thing they preach, they reach back into the old covenant. Notice it. Jeremiah 29, 11, their favorite verses. They're all having to reach back in the old covenant. You know why? They can't find anything. Except for, oh, my beloved, I wish that you would prosper and be prosperous in all things, even as your soul prospers by John. And they take that one verse, that one word, they hijack it, take it completely out of context, completely out of meaning, and they, they all of a sudden want you to believe that the Apostle John, who's sitting broke as broke can be, the captain of broke, on the island of Patmos eventually, who has nothing and nobody, he wants somehow or another, they want you to believe he's preaching that you can be prosperous and rich. A complete contradiction of everything that we learn. Hebrews 13, 5. You know, keep your lives free from the love of money. For God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You're going to try to reconcile and all of a sudden say the Apostle John was some spiritual idiot who thought we were all supposed to be rich, but Paul didn't get it, and the book of Hebrews didn't get it, and, and, and James didn't get it, and, and John didn't get it, and Peter didn't get it, and Paul didn't get it. They all missed it. Poor Paul, he was satisfied with just food and clothing. He could have been rich if he would have just read the Apostle John's letter. Do you see what evil, what ridiculousness this is? It's horrible. I'll never stop calling it horrible. It's an abomination. It's filthy. It's fit for the pit of hell. It's horrible what these men do. They can preach so much truth and all they have to do is mess up money and they're as good as the devil. Hence the reason why, again, if you read Matthew 6, 19 through 24, the two principles where Jesus is saying, store up treasures in heaven, not on earth, and where no man can serve both God and money, or God and mammon. And where your money is, or where your treasure is, there your heart will be. He's teaching all about money, and in between this, he teaches about your eye being the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. What's he teaching? But he's saying, if you do not get money right, 
you will not be able to get all these other things right. You can have all these other things seemingly right like the Pharisees. If you don't get money right, the whole thing is just spoiled. It's ruined. It's literally like putting dog poo in chocolate brownies. That's basically what Jesus is teaching. You can have all these other things right. You can have all the doctrines, all the knowledge, all the words, all the fundamentals, the faith, the hope, the love. You can have it all. And if you get this thing called love of money, and you put it in there, it's as if you've just made Giardelli chocolate brownies the best they have to offer, and then you just threw a little bit of, you know, your, your, your little bit of dog's poo in there, okay? You've ruined the whole thing, and it's now worthless. That's what happens when you throw the love of money into all of the greatest teaching you've ever heard. It spoils it all. So when you hear a Benny Hinn, a Kenneth Copeland, a Joyce Meyer, and you know Stephen Furtick and, and um, John Bevere and all these people who teach the abundance and finances and money, all that crap, that's dog poop. That's what they've done is they've added dog poop into these wonderful chocolate brownies that God has prepared for you. And it ruins the whole thing. And, and watch this. Look how easy it is to taint the entire spirit and word and work and gospel of Jesus Christ by throwing in a little love of money. You don't have to get people off real weird on a bunch of doctrines and heresies and all this kind of stuff. No, all you have to do is just let them love money. Jesus said no one can serve both God and money. He will either love the one and be devoted to the other or despise the one and be devoted to the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If you don't get money right, you don't get God right. That's exactly what Jesus Christ is teaching in Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Go read it. Meditate on it. Ask God to help you to see this. And you'll notice that in this charismatic crap, that's exactly what it is. The temptation is to get you to think that you can be have more money. That's why Christian uh, Christianity in America is such a lie, such a farce, such a deception. Because we have all these great big fancy cars and these big fancy houses. That is not Christianity. I don't care what anybody says. This is not Christianity. This is a lie. This doesn't look anything like what you see in the New Covenant Christianity. This is a filthy, stinking lie. It's Tuesday, January 29th, about 4.30 Florida time. I'm in Florida, and I'm on my way to pick up Nathan to take him out for uh, dinner and ice cream and, and to go get him a little toy given me three hours as gracious as she is <laughs> and uh so i've seen 666 twice in the last 10 minutes on my way so i don't know if that means that he's going to show up and not have his 20 dollars bill that i've just sent her a text asking her to make sure that he brings or if she's going to say something's come up or if there's going to be something bad happen when i get there i'm not sure or if there'll be another court document but um just wanted to capture that and then also I have been feeling a little bit not terrible just a little bit kind of off uh, this afternoon realizing how still everything is on hold that I'm still waiting for everything finances fruit um, back trying to rework the story to take some of my childhood and some of the things about success kind of out of it so that the story is really more focused on um, the actual deliverance and the numbers and all that and I'm struggling I'm a little discouraged with that because there's just so much to tell in the story and what do you take out what do you cut and it's just it's a it is very difficult to do and I then start to beat myself up a little bit because I get so tired of looking at my story and hearing this that I've become kind of just like who wants to hear this you know I'm having them same old thoughts I think 
I think the devil really just has his way in those moments. And I have to stop. For some reason, I'm good with, with doing it with other things. But as it relates to my story, sometimes I let those thoughts kind of take root. And you have to be so careful. I think I have to just say, stop. Satan, you're a liar and a thief. I'm telling this story, and I'm proud of this story. You know, I saw 12.11 today, which is uh, Revelations 12.11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the power of their testimony, or the word of their testimony. So I realize how important it is, and I realize he makes war against it. So I just feel kind of heavy. Um, I also just do not like being in Orlando. Um, it just seems so spiritually dead here is the only way I can think about describing it um, I enjoy seeing like Gustavo and I obviously love seeing my kids and tonight I'm going to get to see Larry and Trish for a couple of days but there's just something about being down here it just I don't know what it is I just ugh, I just don't like it at all and um, so I've also been praying over the last couple of days that the father would bless me with having custody of my kids I've been actually asking him to give me custody of my kids, and I've been asking him to provide enough resources, since he's asked me not to take a job and stuff, to be able to provide for my children. So I'm still waiting in faith on God to provide the first check or amount of money from a person who he's moved on their heart to donate to this thing, um, <clears throat> to really prove that I have in fact heard from God so that I can say I knew in this area that I heard from God that God did ask me to do this so I'm just continuing to hold on to my faith and uh, knowing that he's strengthening me and building me up in my faith and I also um, have really just been asking for guidance to help me tell the story guidance I keep seeing 919 a lot um, you know wondering what's the Lord telling me not to get ahead of and um, also been seeing 811 still about every day. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish the work. I'm trying, you know. And I uh, haven't been real clear on what that is. But, of course, now I kind of have felt led to, to rework the video a little bit and make it more about the deliverance, less about my life story. And um, I've also been seeing 511 a lot. Yesterday and the last couple of days, I think I've probably seen it about 20 times in the last 72 hours. And that's that James 5.11, we consider blessed those who persevere, you know, and they're basically saying, look at what happened to Job. You know, we remember what happened to Job after he had endured for a long time. So it's this idea, I feel like God is maybe telling me, you know, again, encouraging me, hang in there, don't give up, persevere, good things are coming. And I really do believe that. I've just been a little discouraged. There hasn't been hardly any watches on the video. There was two days in a row where nobody watched the story. So all of those little things can add up to discouragement and begin to eat away to the faith that I just had or that you've, you know, you've had days earlier. So right now, I just what I do is I pray and I just say, Father, help me. Sustain me by your grace. Help me. And I begin to thank him for the things he has done. But um, it seems to me like it's a good reminder of how important it is to never give up hope always keeping, you know, relentless, pushing forward, believing, you know, and, and kind of like what um, Dr. Uh, Neil Anderson says, do not doubt in the darkness what God spoke in the light. So when things were well, don't doubt in the dark 
when things get a little dark and you can't see what's next, don't start to doubt what God told you in the light. But hold on to it. Faith it out. Cling to it. So anyhow, I'm just holding on to faith and praying I'm going to go have a wonderful time with my son this evening. I'm at Larry and Trisha's house and um, I'm reading a book called God's Psychiatry by Charles L. Allen. And I just had the major aha. He's talking about how one time he had a backache and he had to be in um, the hospital. And a friend of minister came in and said, all I can say to you is he maketh me lie down in green pastures. And he talks about how many times because we're so hurried, we, we neglect, we're so busy, we're so willing to go out and work hard for God, we neglect to seek him in prayer and in silence. And he was given several case examples of how Jesus would escape to the mountains. You know, Paul was on the lonely, quiet road to Damascus. Paul, was, you know, Moses was out in, in, in the middle of nowhere and heard the voice of God. Elijah didn't find God in the earthquake or the fire, but in a still, small voice. I remember Charles Stanley talking about how many times he said he's felt that he's been sick and that the Lord had a purpose for it. Well, I've been praying for weeks over my ankle since uh, the week before Thanksgiving. I twisted my ankle on the trail running, and it snapped, and it was loud, and it hurt. And um, I didn't go to the doctor, and I've just prayed and said, Lord, please heal my ankle, please heal my ankle. To this day, I still can't run. It's now January, uh, almost February, and I can't run on it. And I've been frustrated a couple of times, not bad, but I've laid hands on it and I've prayed. I'm like, Lord, please, in the name of Jesus Christ, heal my ankle. Lord, if you can do all things, you can do this for me. And I've just been believing him in prayer. And I've been discouraged because it's not healed. And I'll try to run. I run 10 steps, can't stop. And I tell you what, it hits me this morning. I just had told Larry and Trish last night that I have had moments several times a week where I go out to that mountain and I'll walk the whole thing at a slow, steady space an hour and a half. I'll be in prayer. God showed me this morning how many times I would have just ran and not been in prayer had he not allowed my ankle to be upset like it has been. And that here it is in one of the most important times of my life in time to important seasons, which is you know, the dawn of my new ministry, a new step from secular work to total faith in God, waiting for, in what seems like an impossible manner, the wife, my future wife, and praying God to do all these amazing things. Court's coming up. The battle's still strong. God allowed my ankle. And if, I, if my ankle would not have been hurt like that, there is no telling how many hours of prayer I would have missed. I mean, a lot of hours and communing with God. It has absolutely impacted my level of faith. My faith in just the last two months has grown so much. And I think that it's because of all of that slow seeking God. And it's just amazing. I'm just blown away right now as I realize that God has had a purpose. So we can't say, oh, I'm sick. God must heal me. I need to believe. I got to get back fixed. Many times God can use these things. This is incredible, just incredible what I just realized. Thank you, God.